And try to pass the pain right by But it just doesn't work that way God has a different plan He works in ways we'd never see Beyond the scope of man When the journey takes a detour Unexpectedly I try to accept and understand what it all means when I'm pressed to show the world what I really believe I will trust you Lord when my heart begins to faint because I see a life so frayed and my soul out, Lord, how long can I keep this at bay? In the fiercest part of battle, when my feet don't want to stay, I will trust you, Lord. I will trust you, Lord, with my
Well, I'm interested to know what's in the treasure chest up here. Brother Brown, was that crown jewels in that? That's my offering in a chest. Change offering. Okay, well, I appreciate it very much. I appreciate the generosity of your pastor. Great deal. I came off here uh, this morning, got my suit out of the closet there at the at the uh, motel, and I said to Marie, where's my tie at? You know where my tie is? She said, there's no tie in there? Well, I usually have about four or five ties, and I'll hang on a suit that I'm wearing, and I came off without a tie. It's the first time ever, ever, I've ever done anything like that. I've done a lot of other weird things, but not that. <laughs> so I called a preacher this morning, so uh, he said, I'll bring some. So I picked one out. So he said, tonight, I... He said, I'm just going to give you that tie. So I figure this is probably one he doesn't like anyway. <laughs> but uh, so that way you can remember me. He said, I appreciate it. <laughs> appreciate it, Brother Brown, coming to my rescue. All right, we'll sing and get that done. <clears throat> It's my desire to live for Jesus. It's my desire to be like Him. Though often I failed Him and brought Him much shame, but it's my desire to live for Him. It's my desire to help someone today. Someone who might have failed to see the way. For I too was lost so long, but I found my way to God. And it's my desire to for him if you could see where Jesus brought me from to where I am today then you would know the reason why I love him so now you can take this world's wealth and riches I don't need earth's fame it's my desire it's my desire it's my desire to live for him. 
get your Bible, if you will, please open it tonight to the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 22. Again, appreciate the opportunity uh, to be here. Appreciate the accommodations, a nice room, and the wonderful meal today at the preacher's house. Uh, Miss Pam made, and I appreciate that. The good fellowship, the golf outing yesterday, enjoyed that, the men. And the fellowship, appreciate this church and the history here and the job that you're doing today, the faithfulness to the Lord. It's a privilege to have my cousin Betty here uh, tonight and my dad and her mother, or brother and sister. And uh, uh, Betty was, I was in her wedding as a little guy uh, many years ago. And uh, then she came and was in our wedding when we got married, came sang, and uh, appreciated so much. And uh, uh, Betty is a sweetheart, and I'm thankful that she could be here. Appreciate you being here, Betty, tonight. Luke 22, and verse number 31. Stand with me, if you will, please, as we read the Word of God, if you're able to do that. I know some of you were just getting comfortable there. I've already been instructed just before the service. Somebody said, keep it short. I'm in the nursery tonight. <laughs> so I'll make no, po- uh, no promises here. <clears throat> but I'll do what I can. Luke 22 and verse number 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. I'm going to give you a few reasons tonight, ten of them if you're keeping track. And I'll try to make it quick. Ten reasons why I can't quit serving the Lord. Ten reasons why I can't quit serving the Lord. Let's pray and ask God's blessing, all right? Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for, Lord, the the good service already, your presence we feel here, the the wonderful special the ladies sang, Lord, and just the privilege of being in the house of the Lord. Thank you for Brother Brown, Lord, and Mrs. Brown. Please bless them in a mighty way. We pray you already have. We know you are. We thank you for them. And Lord, just uh, hold them up, use them for your honor and glory. Bless this work here, we pray. Meet the needs of our hearts tonight. Strengthen us. We thank you. Now, Lord, we can't do anything without you. We acknowledge our need for you. And we pray that you'd help us in a special way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, the ladies, the trio song, I think, goes so well with the message tonight. But... uh, have you ever just gotten discouraged and just wanted to quit? Uh, you just felt like quitting at least? I think we all have. Uh, we can read the great men of the Bible and find out they wanted to at one time or another. I think of King David uh, when uh, he came back to Ziklag and it was burned to the ground and everybody had been stolen away, kidnapped their wives and children and all that uh, they lost there. And David, uh, David wrote some of the great psalms. 
and, uh, and of course, revealed his times of discouragement. Think about what he went through. Jeremiah sure felt like caving in. He said, I, I just decided I wasn't going to say any more. I wasn't going to speak any more in your name. He said, but your word was like a fire in my bones and I could not stay. When he looked around, he knew he had the truth and regardless of what opposition he faced, he said he couldn't keep his mouth shut. Paul said there in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, he said, there were times we despaired even of life. Even of life. Think about Elijah under the juniper tree, feeling all alone, feeling like he's the only one left. Uh, these are great men. These are great men. You remember when John the Baptist got in prison and he got discouraged and he sent some men to say, uh, go ask Jesus, art thou he that we should look for? We look for another. He's discouraged. A time in his life. Well, when I think of these great men and the courageous battles they fought and the opposition that they faced, I'm kind of ashamed that I would ever get discouraged at all in comparison to what they were facing, in comparison to what I face. Um, David encouraged himself in the Lord, the Bible says. Encouraged himself in the Lord. How did he do that? Well, I think that he, I think he sat out and thought about the times God answered his prayer. And he rescued him. I think he went back with the with facing the giant, don't you? And he remembered the battle is the Lord's. It's not mine anyway. He, I think he thought about the times that, that uh, Saul was uh, uh, going around and, and chasing him and God had rescued him over and over and over again. But it's wonderful here in this portion of Scripture to see that Jesus cared enough about Peter, first of all, to warn him of Satan, and then to encourage him by saying, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Do you know the job of the Savior right now is interceding for His children, interceding for those who would approach the Father. He ever intercedeth for us. Uh, it's an amazing thing to think that, that uh, Jesus prays for you, prays for me, Somebody says, how's he do that? How's he do that? You know, there's so many people in the world. Somebody asked me here a few weeks ago, how are we going to even get around? How are we going to see the Savior in heaven, all that's, all that's there? How are we going to be able to do that? There's going to be so many people there. I don't think I'll ever even get to see the Savior. Uh, well, that's not true at all. You know, uh, uh, when Satan tempted the Lord Jesus there in the wilderness, the Bible says that uh, he took him up into a high mountain and he showed him the kingdoms of the world. What are those next words? In a moment of time. In a moment of time. Now if the devil could show Jesus the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, what can Jesus do? Time is no element to him. And so he'll be able to handle it all. You can be sure of that. We'll see things that never entered our mind. Uh, we've already witnessed in the last several years technology, unbelievable technology. I've never figured out when we had wires on the phone how you could pick up the phone and hear somebody's voice perfectly through a little skinny wire. I can't figure that out. Now we don't even need the wires anymore. The stuff's just flying through the air somewhere. And uh, it's unbelievable how quickly these things take place. 
Well, I can't quit serving the Lord today. Now, it's not because there aren't some people that would like to see me quit. I assure you there are those who would like to see me quit. Uh, it's not because I'm worthy, because I've never been worthy to serve the Lord. That old song says, unworthy, but He made me worthy, the song says. And now by His grace, His mercy has made me His own. It's His mercy that I'm saved in the family of God at all. John the Baptist said, whose shoe latchet I'm not worthy to unloose. The Apostle Paul said in, in Ephesians 3 and verse number 8, he said, Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul knew what he was. He knew what he had been before the Lord saved him, before the Lord found him. And he said, I'm, I'm less than the least of all saints, but this grace has been given to me. And... Uh, when we think about those who would like to see us quit, we can be reminded that uh, they didn't call us in the first place. It's not them that we're serving for, even though we should acknowledge them and be kind. But uh, we're serving the Lord. And by His grace, we'll, we'll live for Him. I want to give you a few thoughts. I'm giving you D's tonight for keeping notes. Here we go. Number one, I don't want to disappoint my Savior. I don't want to disappoint my Savior. Uh, Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. He said, This is the first and great commandment. The greatest of all commandments is that we should love the Lord. You know, loving the Lord will keep you going when nothing else will. Your love relationship with Him. And it's not determined on many things, but it's because you love. You know, I've, I've often wondered about the Apostle Paul. What kept him going? What kept him going? I mean, you read his history of what he went through. Beaten. Uh, 39 stripes, 40 stripes, saved one five times. He was stoned, I think, twice and left for dead and shipwrecked. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't his salary he was getting that kept him going. He wasn't getting a salary. Uh, it wasn't his retirement program that kept him excited because there was none. Uh, uh, his retirement program was going to be another beating if the world had anything to do with it. Uh, they despised him. But you think about this man, how God used him. And yet how he kept going. What were his incentives? It was just his love for God. And uh, how much the Lord loved him. And what he'd done in his life. What amazing, what an amazing man. But the greatest commandment is that we love the Lord. He's, he's done so much for me. And I owe him so much tonight. I do love him. I do love him. I tell him I love you, Lord. I know I don't love you like you love me. I know I don't love you like I ought to. I know you can see my heart all the way through, but I do love you. And I'm thankful uh, for the Savior that I have. But I don't want to disappoint my Savior. I don't want, to, uh, I don't want him to uh, be hanging his head when he looks at me uh, one day. Number one, I don't want to disappoint the Savior. Number two, I don't want to discourage others. You know, our lives affect other people, positive or negative. Uh, the Scripture says in Romans 14, 7, No man liveth to himself. No man liveth to himself. Uh, your life is an effect on others. Somebody says, my sin's not hurting anybody but me. That's not true. It's a cop-out statement. Others know what you're doing. 
Others hear what you're saying. Others watch your life. Uh, they know what's going on. Our life belongs to God. Paul said there, you're, you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. What's your God's? There are sins of the body and there are sins of the spirit. Somebody says, as long as I don't do it, it doesn't make any difference. If you're thinking it, it's still wrong. Your thoughts are to be the Lord. Your mind is to be surrendered to the Lord. If we live for God, we encourage others to do so. Uh, be in your place as you're serving the Lord. Uh, be, be where you're supposed to be. Uh, somebody says, well, I'm not singing in the choir. My, my voice is not the best right now. My throat is not right. Then get up and fake it. Be in your spot. Uh, mouth the words. Uh, do the best you can. If you're sick, run the fever, stay out of there. But, uh, you know, if your voice is cracking, you heard mine crack a little while ago. Uh, it, it happens. And if it does, just keep going. Serve the Lord. All of us are just human vessels. That's all we are. If we quit living for God, we discourage others. You may encourage somebody else to, to serve the devil if you get away from the Lord. Every time somebody quits, they take somebody else with them. Every time. And I don't want to be responsible for somebody else quitting. And I'll have to answer to God for it. And then I don't want, my, uh, I don't want friends to go to hell uh, because I got tired and quit. I don't want neighbors uh, to miss heaven because I, I wasn't faithful. And uh, you say, well, I, I don't think I'm having that much effect. You don't know, have any idea what kind of effect you're having. Uh, and you're not going to know it until you stand before the Lord and look back. And uh, He shows you. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.11 says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. The souls are, of others are at stake. Now then, number three, I don't want to disgrace my family. I don't want to disgrace my family. I've got children that I want to see in heaven and live for God. And their mates. And their children. Their children. Uh, I'm a hero to my grandkids. Uh, they think I'm really special. They think a lot more of me than, than, than what I am. If I quit, if I quit, they may quit. I don't want to disgrace my wife, my spouse, my children. God said of Abraham, He said, but I know him that He will command His children and His household after Him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. Do you know God said that of Abraham before he ever had a child? He didn't have any children when God made that statement. But He said, I know Abraham. I know him. I know what's in his heart. And I know he's going he's to instruct his children. And they're going to keep the way of the Lord. All his children made mistakes. Isaac did. Abraham did himself. Jacob certainly did. But the faith of the Lord was passed down. And Abraham was mentioned by the Lord Jesus with Zacchaeus as we saw this morning. I don't want to disgrace my family. Then I don't want to be disciplined. Number four. I don't want to be disciplined. The Bible says in Hebrews 12.6, For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Now, I don't want to be disciplined. I don't want to face that. 
It's bad enough to be serving the Lord and have the devil after me. And if I start serving the devil and the Lord gets after me, the devil ain't going to stick up for me. He will join in. Somebody says, I don't live for the Lord because I don't want to suffer. Well, you know what? You're going to suffer anyway. No matter what you do. Uh, the days of man, they're few, they're full of trouble. You know, We're going to have difficulties anyway. I'd like to be on the winning side, wouldn't you? I want to be on the right side. If I'm walking with the Lord, I can get protection from Him. I can get a hedge around me, the Bible teaches. There was one around Job. I don't want to be disciplined. Uh, I get in enough trouble accidentally without doing it on purpose. Then I don't want to miss out on the due season. The due season. Galatians 6.9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, those next words are, if we faint not. If we faint not. You know, the promises of God are dependent upon your faithfulness. They're dependent upon that. You say, well, now come on, preacher. God's promises are true whether I'm faithful or not. To a point, that's true. And in some areas, that's true. And God promised to, listen now, God promised to Israel He would take them out of Egypt and into the promised land. Right? And He said, to the land that I promised you, and I promised to Abraham, and I gave it to him. And he started them to cross that wilderness. And a whole generation of them got right up to the borderline and balked. And they didn't go in. God had promised them that they could go in. And that they would go in. But they wouldn't go in. And they stopped short of the promise. Hebrews says. They failed. In that area. The promise was theirs, but they didn't claim it. And they didn't believe God. And so the Lord said, well then, what you've all the bad you've said about what's going to happen, that's what's going to happen. And then He said, your carcasses are going to fall in the wilderness. That wasn't a nice word for God to say, was it? We don't think of you, you know, you don't bury your, your loved one and say, well, we buried my dad's carcass out here. You don't say that. So we had a funeral service. He said, your carcasses will fall in the wilderness and your children will get the promise. They'll go in. And so 40 years they wandered out there. The promise was theirs, but they didn't claim it. They didn't, they didn't cash in on it. Well, the Lord says, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I've got some prayers I want to get answered. I've got some real special requests that are very important to me. And I don't want to fall short of getting in on the answer to that. I don't want that answer to fail because I failed. Because I wasn't faithful. We just keep serving. Just keep serving. Just keep being what you're supposed to be. Just, just keep doing what God wants you to do. Just keep being where you're supposed to. Where you're supposed to be. I had a young man sitting in my office one day. And had a young man come in. Military man. Grew up in our church. Hadn't seen him in a long time. He'd been gone a long time away from our area. And he came in. He said, preacher, I want to talk to you. He told me his name and he came in. I said, I know who you are. Got up and hugged him, you know. Big old, strong, strapping young man. And he said, I just want to tell you a story. 
I just wanted to come, come here to see my mom. And he said, I just want to come by and tell you a story. He said, uh, we were doing maneuvers day after day practicing. And he said, uh, we'd get out on the plane, we'd get our gear and we'd fly. We'd come back. We'd go through our, our routine. But he said, we got on the plane one day and uh, the, the motor started up and he said, the sergeant stood up and said, all right boys, I've got, I've got some news for you today. This is not practice today. Uh, we're flying in and we're going into battle today in Iraq. And he said, uh, everything went silent. All the guys, not a word was said. And he said, uh, as we sat there in total silence, he said, some of the, some of the men began to weep. Some of them began to cry. And uh, he said, uh, Sergeant said, some of you may not be coming back. And you need to take this thing serious. This is a real deal. And he said, uh, as I sat there, he said, my mind went back to the junior boys class at Bible Baptist where I accepted the Lord Jesus as my Savior. And he said, I told those fellows, I spoke up and I said, I want you fellows to know I'm not afraid to die because Jesus is in my heart. I accepted Him as my Savior. And you can too if you'll call upon Him. He'll save your soul. But he said, we came through there and nobody's life was lost. But he said, I just wanted to stop by and tell you, preacher, what you're doing here is making a difference. Don't stop it. He said, I sure thank God for my junior boy's class and my junior boy teacher. And I've never forgotten that visit. You know, we've got a harvest to reap if we don't quit. There are others. Somebody says, well, we just had a few little children saved today. Yeah, but those children grow up. Those children have a soul. They're going to spend eternity somewhere. And if they don't get saved as children, they may not get saved at all as an adult if we don't reach them. I don't want to miss out on the due season. And then number six, the great, I think of the great dedicated Christians of the past. That great cloud of witnesses. Those who have gone before us. Hebrews 12.1 talks about the great cloud of witnesses. Just on the heels of all of Hebrews 11. Those who accomplished great things by faith because of their faithfulness to the Lord and because they had faith in God. Now then, we've got a great cloud of witnesses. There have been those who have gone down through the years in this church who have served the Lord. There are those in the early days who paid a price for this church to be here. Former pastors, former relatives of many of you that invested a lot in this work. Brother Garvin Walls, I heard him preach the first of the week this last week. Down at, we were at a preacher's meeting down on the Kentucky-Tennessee border down there. And he said, I just told my church here a couple of weeks ago, don't let any of these ministries of ours die. 
Don't let this church die. Brother Walls has been here, hasn't he? Brother Brown preached at some time or another. Great, great preacher. Great man. But he named the ministries and said, don't let these ministries die here. And the church is doing well. It's not. But he's just given some admonition for down the road. Hey, we got missionaries around the world depending on what we're doing. And on the other end of those missionaries are lost people that need the Gospel. That are waiting. Even though they don't realize it, they're waiting for somebody to come by and tell them how to be saved. How to know the Lord. Well, think about the great cloud of witnesses. I've got a father and mother over in glory. I've got a father-in-law and a mother-in-law that are over there that love me like I was their own, practically. Marie and I grew up together in the same church from little children. Our parents were good friends. I've got a laptop up in my office at the house. And, and there's a picture there of my dad and her dad together sitting in the living room. Many years ago, they're in, they're in heaven now. But I say every time I boot on that laptop, those two old guys are there telling me, now you serve the Lord and you stay straight. Don't you get out of the road, boy. You do what you're supposed to do. I look at a picture of those two men, you know. I sure don't want to disappoint them. I'm going to look them in the face one of these days. I got an old preacher over there waiting on me. Loved me. Cared for me. Wrote me a bunch of letters. I got a whole stack of them. He'd, call, he'd start out the letter, My young son Timothy. is the way he would start the letter. And he'd encourage me. He'd say things in there. Keep your powder dry and all kinds of other crazy statements he'd make in there. But he loved on me. And he encouraged me. Oh, I don't want to hang my head when I see him. I want to get a big hug from him. I'd like to hear you did a good job, son. I'd like to hear that. We, uh, my dad lived with me for eight years after my mother died. My mother passed away down in Alabama, got cancer. And after a year, we kept trying to get my dad to come move with us. And my sisters were telling me, Mike, he's not eating right and he's not, he's not taking care of himself. So I'd call him, Dad, what are you doing? How you doing? I'm doing fine. I said, you eating okay? Oh, yeah. I said, what, have you eaten today? Yeah. I said, what would you eat? Oh, lots of good stuff. I said, what'd you eat? I saw I had some Cracker Jacks and some potato chips. And I said, junk. He said, that's not junk, boy. That's good stuff. But he wasn't eating right. He's missing my mom and having a tough time. And Marie finally talked him into coming living with us. And uh, she was more influential with him than I was. He lived with us for eight years. Well, he had a stroke later in life. And uh, one morning I came down, we had his bedroom on the main floor, and uh, had a little master bedroom there for him, set up, restroom right off of it. And uh, I came down, knocked on the door, see how he's doing? And uh, come in here. I got in there, he's laying on the floor. And he couldn't get up. He'd fallen in the night, gotten up and fallen. And I said, Dad, I didn't know. How long have you laid here? He said, well, most of the night. I couldn't. I said, why didn't you call for me? Well, we, we, our bedroom's upstairs, you know. He said, I did. You just couldn't hear me. I said, oh, man, I'm sorry. Well, my dad was independent as could be, you know. And so when he was out of that room, I, I went and got a baby monitor, if you want to call it that. That's what it is. And I hid a speaker up on top of his cabinet. 
he had a cabinet in there with a television and it set right up high. And so without him knowing it, I put a speaker in there and I put the receiver at the head of my bed. And so I'd go to bed at night, I'd turn that thing on and turn it up. You know, so if he yelled for me again, I could hear him and be there. I never did tell him it was there. He never did know it was there. I didn't want him to know it was there. And I only turned it on. He, he was down there by himself. I only turned it on when we went to bed. But I woke up about 3 o'clock in the morning. One morning, not too long after I put it in. And I just woke up to hearing his voice. And he was praying. And he said, Lord, help Mike. Help him. Bless him. Put your hand on him. Give him your power. Take care of his family. I'll tell you what. I'd heard him pray like that in my presence. But he was praying like that without knowing anybody was listening but God. And it meant a great deal to me. Now I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to see him one of these days. I want to be greeted in the right way. Don't you? You get over there. You can tell the same stories I've got, I'm sure. Some of the heroes that have given their lives have gone before the apostles, the sacrificial Christians of the past. You know, we think about those in the dark ages who lost their heads, beheaded because they were Christians, watched their families tortured, burned at the stake, uh, all of that kind of thing. You know, when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, somebody says, well, I'll stand up there and you know, I'll stand before the Lord and, and uh, I'll, I'll be able to say, well, I was better than that guy. You know what? Uh, he's not going to compare you to that guy. First of all, you're going to be compared to the Lord Jesus Christ and His faithfulness. And then maybe you can be judged right alongside the Apostle Paul or, or somebody saw their family tortured to death and still stayed faithful while the torch was being lit to their body you know, you think about, uh, Jesus said of, uh, he said of that generation, He said, he said the, the Queen of Sheba came a long distance to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And a greater than Solomon is here. And He said, uh, she'll stand up in the judgment. When you're judged, she's going to stand up and she's going to testify. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine standing before the Lord and saying, well, I wasn't faithful. I wouldn't feel good. I had a little headache. I didn't want to go to church. I, I didn't have time to read my Bible. I wanted to do other things. Well, I read my Bible. I would always just read in the Psalms. You know, I'd never read all the difficult times. You know. you can stand, and you, can you imagine the Lord saying, just stand right there for a moment. Come on, Brother Don Green, you come on over here. How many times do you read your Bible through in your lifetime? Cover to cover. I don't know what it is now. Last time I think it was over 100 or 120, something like that. I don't know what it is. Can you imagine standing along beside that? Now tell me how many times you read your Bible. Well, I never did read my Bible. Oh boy. There's a cloud of witnesses the Lord speaks of. Think of the great dedicated people. Alright, here's another one. I don't want to be dainty if you're getting your D's down. I don't want to be a dainty weakling in my Christian life. 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul said to Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Somebody says, I don't witness anymore. I had somebody that tore up a track. 
Oh, bless your heart. Man, I hope you weren't hurt too bad. I had somebody turn me down so I don't, I don't witness anymore. Really? Really? People with some of the most foolish causes in all the world endure hardness. There are people who get in the street and protest over foolish things. There are people who are obstinate in their cause and their cause is total foolishness, whatever it may be. You and I have the truth tonight. What we have is real. What we have is genuine. What we have is eternal. What we have is wisdom. Think about what the athletes put up with and do without in their discipline of their bodies in order to play football or basketball or whatever it may be, or baseball. I can remember a coach coming in saying, I want you fellas to be in bed at a certain time. Uh, but these were instructions to be on football team or be on wrestling team. I want you guys, you should be in bed by 9 o'clock at the latest. You need to get a full 8 hours sleep, 10 if you can get it. Drink plenty of water. and say, lay off the junk. Just stay off the sugar, the garbage. Eat what's good for you. And I mean, we're expected to do that. And uh, we lived in those days that just legalized booze in, in Michigan. We lived, I lived right over on the Indiana border, right on the Indiana-Michigan border. Some of the guys there would go up and drink. You know, 18 years old, they'd go up into Michigan and drink. He said, if I hear any of you guys in a bar, any of you getting a, found drinking a beer, you're off the team. You're going to be on this team, you're going to be disciplined. That's football. That's wrestling. No eternal value to it whatsoever. You and I ought to be able to <laughs> discipline ourselves a little bit, don't you think? For the Lord Jesus. It's not a manly man that gives in and quits. Anybody can quit. Proverbs 24, verse number 10. 24.10 says this, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Let me read that to you again. Proverbs 24.10 If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Now in my daddy's old Alabama language, he would interpret this this way. If you quit when the going gets tough, that wasn't nothing to you anyway. Well, I remember those little sayings. And they helped me along the way. You say, well, I'm discouraged. You know, I, I want to quit. Well, I'm trying to help you tonight. It may not sound like I'm being very nice, but I'm trying to help you. But the truth is, it may get a whole lot worse than it is right now. If we're going to quit, it, it ought to be awfully bad before we quit. And uh, we don't have any excuse for quitting no matter how bad it gets. And somebody says, well, I, I, think I, would, I think I'd die for the Lord. If, it, if you're not living for Him, you're not going to die for Him. Man, if you don't pick up your Bible and read your Bible, <laughs> you would never die for Him. If you won't be faithful to the house of God, you won't die for Him. Good grief. If you don't tithe... You're not going to die for Him. 
Think about these things of faithfulness. Now, number eight, we've just got three left, and I'll let you, I'll quit punishing you here. I don't want to destroy my reward. I don't want to destroy my reward. I've got too much invested in this thing. I know many of you do also. You've been saved a long time. You've been given a long time. You've been serving a long time. You've been living for the Lord a long time. I don't want to destroy my reward. Somebody says, well, you can't lose your reward. I had young men tell me that some time back. He said, I, I've got a lot of rewards. I said, no, you don't. You don't have any rewards. You quit. You quit. What rewards do you have? You've quit. And he has. He's quit. I said, you're starting over, man. Well, where do you get that? Well, Colossians 2.18 says, Let no man beguile you of your reward. Let no man beguile you of your reward. Now, you can look up rewards and study it. See. See. Luke 6.35 says, Do good, and your reward shall be great. Your reward shall be great. I want all that God has for me. I was going down the road with my dad there one day and, and I, had a, I had some music going in the truck and, and uh, the old song says, just build me just a cabin in the corner of glory land. You remember that song? And my dad said, uh, let me ask you something. I said, what? He said, do you want a cabin in the corner of glory land? I figured, well, this is a trick question here, you know. I said, well, I guess I should be welcome be glad if the Lord gave me a cabin in the corner of glory land, you know. He said, well, not me. I want the biggest mansion there is over there. I want all that God's got for me, you know. I said, yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, I want all that God's got for me. Don't you? We've come too far to look back, don't we? Can you imagine living for the Lord all your days and then quitting at the end? Or giving up or throwing in the towel. Somebody said, oh, well, I used to do this. I used to do that. Well, you know, God's interested in what you're doing now. Brother Bernard put in the back of his auditorium back there. Brother Bernard's been up here and preach. Your, your preacher said he put at one time in the back of the auditorium. He had great big bold letters. If you're not dead, you're not done. Great, I mean, great big letters like that. If you're not dead, you're not done. It was on the back. Well, somebody says, I don't know why God leaves me here. Well, figure it out. You're here for a reason. You remember that rich man said, I'll build bigger barns and I'll tear down these. And the Lord came along and said, He said, I'll, I'll, I'll take my ease and you know, eat, drink, and be merry. You know. And the Lord said, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. If you're all done, I'll just take you home. No, you're not done because you're not dead. I don't have anything behind me worth having. I look back in our family, there's nothing back there. There's nothing, but this old world has nothing. I've got too much time invested. I've got too many offerings invested. Too much tithe. Too much missions money. Too many prayers. Too many tears. Too much hard work. It'd be like throwing it all away. I don't want to stand before the judgment seat of Christ as a quitter. After all that Jesus has done for me. Alright, number nine. I don't want Satan to have his desire. Satan had desired to have thee, that he may sift thee as wheat. 
If, it, if anybody in the whole universe would be happy if you and I quit, it's the devil himself. That's what he's wanted all along. That's what he wants from you tonight. He wants you out of the battle. He wants your mouth shut about Jesus Christ. He wants you discouraged. He wants you down in the dumps. Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Satan's goal is to get us to quit. Paul said we're not ignorant of his devices. Peter said, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary the devil is a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. said, whom resist steadfast in the faith. Uh, James says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. The devil really doesn't want to fight. He really doesn't. He wants easy prey. That's what he's after. You look at these films of these animals on, on uh, public television and those kind of things, those uh, African animal stories and so forth. You see the old lion going around. He doesn't go up and, and pick out the biggest bull in the, in the, in the uh, herd. He goes around and he finds one that's hurt out on the edge somewhere. He finds one of the babies. That's what he's after. He don't want to fight. He wants easy prey. He's like that lion. And the devil's just looking. You say, you get out on the edge. Well, I'm just going to be out here a little while. I'll, I'll be back. Yeah, while you're out there, the devil will take you down. Pull yonder. A journalist. Did you, see, did you read this week or see where that journalist, that young journalist, 25, 28, something like that, was down there in the south somewhere. I don't know if South Carolina or where. But anyway, down there, a vacation with some buddies. And he went out into the swamp area and crocodile got him, pulled him under, killed him in his 20s. Uh, stay in the middle of the pack. Stay right in the middle. If you don't want the devil to get you, get right in the middle of this church and stay here. Get involved. And what's going on? Don't stay out on the edge. Be faithful. I don't want Satan to have his desire. I don't want to be a castaway. He accused Job, Satan did. He said he'll curse you to, you, to your face. That's what he'll do. And then he set out to try to get him to do it. He set out to try to get him to do it. He tried every way in the world to get him to curse God. And even his wife said, curse God and die. She said the very words that Satan was trying to get him to do. And he said, you speak as one of the foolish women speaketh. Shall we receive good at the hand of the Lord? Shall we not also receive evil? And all of this Job sinned not with his lips. Satan accused Job, but he was wrong. Uh, Satan accused God to Adam and Eve, and he was wrong. But I don't want to be a castaway. I don't want to play into Satan's hand, and I don't, I don't want to make him happy. I would really like to see him very disappointed. I would really like to ruin his day and, and his eternity, if that's possible. All right, number 10, because the day of Christ is at hand. The day of Christ is at hand. Now, Jesus is coming. He's coming. The preacher preached on it. We're talking about what we've been preaching on here in the last few weeks. He said he preached on the rapture here a few weeks ago. Uh, the day of Christ is at hand. Jesus is coming. He said, Occupy till I come. I don't want to quit just before he gets here. Do you? Wouldn't that be a horrible thing? You think about a man just giving up, saying, I'm, I'm done. I. I just can't take it no more. It happens. People take their lives. 
Preachers take their lives. We've heard of it. Take their own life. You imagine just getting down the dumps, totally discouraged and taking your own life and, and standing before the Lord. And say, Lord, I'm, I failed. I know I'm, I'm just sorry and no good. And, I, you know, and the Lord just say, just sit down over here just for a minute. We're getting ready to have the rapture here in just a couple of minutes. Well, you know, it's going to happen one of these minutes. Jesus is going to come take us out of here. I sure would like to be found faithful, wouldn't you? I don't quit. <laughs> just in time for Him to come. That's the way it would probably happen. I'd like to go out victoriously. We sang it tonight, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. And then those next words said, one glimpse of His dear face. One glimpse. And you'll know it's over. It's done. The trials of life are over. I mean, we're going to stand behind in front of them. And I mean, when you get to that point, it's, it's home. We're safe. It's over. The sorrows are gone. The heartaches are done. It's all behind us. It's all glory from here on out. <laughs> it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Oh, we'll forget about it. Every now and then I'll, I'll say something, Marie, and I'll say, you know, I, maybe I'll ask the Lord about that when I get there, if I care about it anymore. Once I see that place, once I get in there, hmm, I'd like to go out victoriously. Jesus said there in Revelation 22.12, right at the end of the book, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. There's a heaven, there's a hell. There's a judgment seat of Christ to face. We had Dr. Art Wilson come preach at our church when I was a boy. And he preached a message and he gave an illustration about a story that happened in his life. <clears throat> and he said, he said he's preaching on the second coming of Christ and millennial reign and rewards and, and being rewarded throughout the millennial reign and that we'll be rewarded. There are degrees of rewards. And uh, where Jesus said, I'll make you ruler over five cities or ten cities and so forth. And He said, depends on your faithfulness, what you've done for Him, how you've lived, how you're going to be rewarded. He said, and I was preaching in His own church, He said, and I was preaching, and I said, now, some of you fellows out here, you've got a wife that's a Sunday school teacher, or she's involved in the things of the Lord. She's involved, and you're not involved, and you're dragging your feet all the time, and you're discouraging her from living for the Lord. And you can't, you're not faithful that your wife is. She's the spiritual leader in the home. And he said, you get, you get to the judgment seat of Christ, and he said, uh, the Lord is going to make your wife the mayor of the city, and He's going to put a broom in your hand, and you're going to sweep streets for a thousand years. And he said when the service was over, he said, old, old Big Carl came by to see him after the service. said, always sat in the back. And he said, he came up at the end of the service. He said, I want to know something, preacher. He said, sure, what is it, Carl? He said, I want to know that's the truth. He said, what are you talking about? He said, what you said about your wife being the mayor of the city and you're going to sweep streets for a thousand years. He said, is that in the Bible? He said, well, not just like that it's not, but the truth of it is there. 
We're rewarded according to our faithfulness, our service to the Lord. He said, that's all I wanted to know. He said, so I left. He said, I preached a two-week revival. I was gone a couple of weeks somewhere else. He's pastoring out in Kansas City. And he said, uh, I came back, and he said, came back on a Monday, and the janitor met me there at the door, and I came in the church, and he said, preacher, I know something. I said, what? He said, did you hire big old, old big Carl here to work around the church? He said, no. Why? He said, because he can't do enough. Since you've been gone, he's down here wanting to replace the windows and work around the outside on the yard and the building and everything. He said, no, I haven't hired him. He said, never went through my mind. I didn't think anything about it. He said, he came, came to church and he said, the choir director said, did you give Carl permission to sing in the choir? He said, no, I didn't say anything to him. He said, why? He said, well, he's joined the choir. And he said, we've got these seats up here. They had those handles on the seats. He said, we had to take a handle out of one of the seats. He's too big to sit in one seat. But he said, he's singing off key. And he said, we watched him. He said, I still didn't think anything about it. He said, five, six weeks went by and he said, old big Carl's involved in everything. He's all, all the services there early, all excited about everything. And he said, I went by him one day and he said, Carl, I'm going to ask you a question. He said, uh, what's happened to you? He said, what do you mean? He said, well, you're all involved in everything. There's been a big change in you. What, what's going on? He said, well, preacher, who wants to sweep streets for a thousand years? But you know, one day we're going to stand before Him. We're going to give an account of what we've done. Somebody says it doesn't matter. It does matter. The books are open. God's keeping record of all this stuff. Everything we're doing, our attitude, our, our, our words, our actions. There's a heaven, there's a hell. There's a judgment seat of Christ. And what are you going to do? Are you going to serve Him? And uh, maybe you've already quit. I don't know. Even though you're in church, you know, people quit in church before they get out of church. You can sit in the pew and quit in your mind before you really quit. And maybe we all need to just surrender to Him anew and afresh tonight to serve Him with all the heart. I'm sure you could add some more reasons why we can't quit. Let's bow our heads together. I hope you'll serve Him.